1: You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten
2: your day with a book.
1: Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Um, I was just, I've just heard about a football tournament for a child. This has come up and it reminded me of a football tournament, the first one I'd been to some years ago. I have to admit, before then, I hadn't been head of sports venues, I'd been head of art things, concerts, whatever, and my husband had done the football. I can't imagine why. But anyway, so this was the first time uh, I was to escort child to this tournament. And it was like an all day thing. It wasn't that far away. It was about 30 miles away. Anyway, so being me, I decided that we needed to make sure we had everything possible. So I I had a packed meal for him. And then I thought, well, what if it, what if we're there for many hours? So I packed many snacks, packed tea, Uh, just in case he didn't get served tea later on, lots and lots of bottles of water and drinks and extras and more snacks in case somebody else didn't have snacks. Then I had a bag of books. I had a bag of books. I don't know what I was thinking of. I thought there would be like chairs provided. So I had a bag of books as well. And then I had a handbag. And then there were another couple of big bags as well. So I get there. And it seemed like at that point it was mainly some of the other husbands who who had arrived. N- none of them. None of them had anything. And there is me. I had to park the car nearby so that I could manage to get out all of this stuff and then drive the car and park it somewhere. Um, and all the other children, they just had like a lunchbox that was it nobody had anything I didn't know first of all that that you can acquire food at, at, at these places so you can get like a coffee or a sandwich or something you can get that I didn't know that there are no chairs you have to stand up at these events which are freezing cold even if it's summer you can tell how much I love this You, freezing cold and you have to stand there it was it was an education to me and um yeah i i just would much prefer to be head of i'll, I'll be head of theatre trips music trips um all those sort of things yes thank you very much i'm in standing for i don't know was it 6 hours 7 hours by the side of a football pitch. There's no surprise to it. There's no, oh, what will happen at the end? The ball is kicked from one end to the other. That's why I like books, you see, because you you can get surprised. But yes, so I I dread to think what the other parents thought of me when they saw me with all these bags. But anyway, so that's such a fond memory of mine. I will never forget that, I'm sure. Um, And uh, yes, so can't wait for the the planned football tournaments that they're having. It would be great. This is a terrible thing to say, but it would be great if under lockdown and as they ease restrictions, they could allow book festivals, but not allow football tournaments. Sorry, that's a terrible thing to say. But There we go. That's where we are today. I am starving hungry. I'm recording this before I've had breakfast. And, um, I haven't had any cups of tea, cups of coffee, so who knows what's going to happen. If you compare this episode to others, you may discover what happens when Philippa is uncaffeinated and unfed, but there we go. It's not going to be pretty, so let's get through it. Um we have got a super interview today. I'm really excited about it, and we've got some great books, most of them coming out sort of around about this week. So uh, there's lots to talk to you about, and I'm going to do something a bit different what I'm it's going to be I'm going to call it first sentence day so what I'm going to do is when we look at each book I'm going to read you the first sentence because they they say you know if the first sentence can grip you or it can just turn you off a book Um, so we're going to try that out we're going to see how exciting is that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so the, the books we're doing today are The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan, Her Last Holiday by C.L. Taylor, The Bone Code by Kathy Rikes, The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang and Missing Pieces by Tim Weaver. Now, I'm very excited that we've got Phoebe Morgan on to talk to us about The Wild Girls. If you remember, Phoebe came on some time ago, the summer, I'm thinking. It's a distant memory, but it was great to have her on. And it was a very, very popular episode because Phoebe was talking in her role as um, editorial director at HarperCollins. And it was just so interesting to hear the process of what they go through when they're looking to publish a book and all the different details. So, as I say, yes, that was a very popular episode. But Phoebe is also an author. So we're going to talk to her today about her book, The Wild Girls, that comes out this week, this Thursday. Um, and it's a it's a great book. So let me tell you about this book before we talk to The to, to Phoebe. Um, so the wild girls, let me read you the first sentence. I think this is a great first sentence. The police tape looks unnatural in the lush green surrounds of the Safari Lodge complex. And I think that's really uh, enticing for me. It makes me want to read more. I realise it's based in a safari. There's a crime. You know, it's sort of ticking all the boxes. And I would go on to say the book ticks all the boxes for me. I thought it was really good. And I think Phoebe is getting better and better as as a writer. So what she's going to come out with next, who who knows? The blurb is like an invitation. It's really interesting. Um, You are invited to celebrate Felicity's 30th birthday. Date 28th of March. Place, Botswana. Dear Alice, I hope you enjoy your stay in Cheetah Lodge. I put you in here because we both know it's a good namesake for you, don't we? Have fun. Flick kiss. Dear Hannah, welcome to Gazelle Lodge. I put you here because you're, you've always been good at running from things. We all know how fast you can be. Flick kiss. Dear Grace, welcome to Lion Lodge. I gave you this room because you've always been the bravest of us all. I'm so glad you could come. Flick Kiss for friends, a luxury retreat it's going to be murder. I mean, that's fabulous. Um, I love the fact that it was based in somewhere warm. We've had quite a few great books, um, but they've all been based in snow, cold times. So it was great to have this and and read it at a time when we're not able to travel as much, funnily enough. Um, So, yes, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great that you can easily identify which character is which. They were clearly marked. So, again, it wasn't one of those books where I got confused who was who. Um, You need that that something was going on. It's like this sort of sinister undertone, but you didn't know what it kept you guessing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was it's a great read. It's a, a quick read in that it just sort of keeps you going. You keep wanting to find out what happens and you're rewarded for that. Um, so, yes, that's The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan. And let's talk to Phoebe now. So, Phoebe, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me on. It's lovely to be here.
1: Well, we had to have you on again. You're you're our first repeat person, which is very exciting. But um, I had to have you on because I just thought The Wild Girls was a great read, a really great read. So the first question, always the obvious one. How did you come up with this concept?
2: Um, well, first of all, thank you for letting me be a repeat guest. That's an honour. Um, <laughs> yes, you
1: get a medal for that. Don't worry, it's <laughs>
2: Um, And I'm really glad you liked The Wild Girls. I came up with the premise, I was having a brainstorm with my literary agent actually and we were discussing ideas for setting. Um, My previous three books had all been set in places that I knew. So the first one was set in London, the second one was set in Essex and the third one was set in Suffolk uh, where I grew up. And I decided with this fourth one I wanted to do something that felt a bit bigger Sort of took you outside of that right, what you know area, um, and I came up with this idea of a group of people who go to a safari lodge. And at first I thought it was maybe a bit far-fetched and it might not work. But actually, the more my agent and I talked about it, the more we grew to like the idea. Uh, And then obviously that was before the lockdown started in 2020. Mm. Um, And then I ended up writing a lot of it during that kind of April, May period of 2020 when we were still in lockdown one. Mm. Um, And it became, it was really interesting. I think writing that kind of really got me through those first few months because it was, it was writing about somewhere that was so different you know it was outside the four walls of my flat it was outside of London and actually I felt really glad to have the opportunity to um kind of travel in my mind even yeah. if I couldn't travel in real life um so the idea yeah came from that brainstorm and it all started with the setting um And I was doing some research into Botswana and into these amazing lodges that you can go and stay in. And I found this website which listed these luxury safari lodges and they were honestly amazing. I always want to show anyone when I'm talking about it because they're so luxurious and beautiful and the landscape is just stunning. And I suddenly thought, it would be such a great place to to set this book and I referred but I kept the web page open on my computer when I was writing and I kept kind of referring back to it and literally just taking some of the descriptions you know just describing what I could see in these google images um and so that was really helpful and definitely really inspired it and I think the book went from there I definitely had the setting first and then I plotted out the story after that
1: how interesting yes and just have that visual side I- I'm very intrigued by the fact that you've written this in lockdown, the first lockdown as well, because writers seem to have been divided into one group that were just sort of stunned into inertia in a way. They just couldn't write. And the other group that couldn't. And as you said, used it as an escape. So you found the words were able to, to flow during that time.
2: Well it's interesting yeah because I I obviously speak to a lot of writers for my day job as well and I think you're totally right that it has been quite divisive. I know some people have really struggled and some people have found that they've got more time on their hands and so it's been a bit easier. I personally I definitely started off last year finding it easier. I was able to write The Wild Girls much more easily than I was able to write I think books two or three mm-hmm. um, and I just felt like I yeah, I just had time at the weekends. You know, I wasn't doing any socialising, <laughs> and I found I was quite enjoying writing it because it was just so much fun. It felt like a really fun book to write. Um, but now I'm writing my fifth book, um, which is due in May and will be out in 2022. And to be honest, that's a real struggle. And I think now after this year of lockdowns, I'm I'm flagging. Like I'm finding it a lot harder than I did a year ago to be creative, which is a shame and is. It's difficult. I think with this one, I'm really forcing myself to sit down and do the work. And with The Wild Girls, it didn't feel like that it felt a lot more fun although I am saying that in hindsight you know it's always really easy to look back and (laughs) think it was easier than it was I'm sure there were difficult moments but I do feel like this you know this is the third lockdown everyone is exhausted everyone is just so tired of dealing with the pandemic on every level emotional you know financial every every kind of level you can think of and so I think one of the first things to go is is our creativity uh, because it's it's very difficult to find that energy and find that motivation um and at the moment you know the bookshops are still closed we can't do any live events and I love doing live events I love talking to people I love meeting readers and to have that stripped away it does sort of make you it just demotivates me a bit I think so yeah I know a lot of people are feeling similar and hopefully you know we'll push through it and this year will be the end of everything yeah we hope well, yeah. not
1: the end of everything, hopefully. No, just no, the end of- <laughs> sorry,
2: just, just the end <laughs> yeah. of the pandemic. Um, yes.
1: but yeah. I think this word escape is very interesting because um, in the first lockdown, you, you could escape and go into the story, um, whereas now, certainly for me, the idea of an escape is not into a story, I'd like to escape back to my normal life, that, uh, and that's, I think, where I'm finding it hard at the moment. It, it,
2: yeah. That's so true. I think you're right. We we do suddenly our, I guess our bar becomes lower. Like you know, we used to think we just wanted international travel and we wanted to do all this stuff, and now people would settle for you know just going for a walk with your family or just going to the local pub. I think you're no, right. I'm you just, going to just, yeah, <laughs> you just you're right. You just want to escape back into the the normal world. It doesn't have to be particularly glamorous, but I think you know for everyone, books have been that form of escapism, no matter what they're about, and I think this year you know a lot of the publishers are now reporting their highest EO you know, sales ever and you know a lot of places have actually done really really well and mm-hmm. I know that not everyone has and that the high street in particular and the bookshops have struggled and they've worked really hard to try and bounce back and they will continue to do so but what this year has proven I think is that people are buying books and that is a really positive thing and mm-hmm. I think if If even one of my books can provide a bit of entertainment and escapism for just a handful of readers I would be happy Um, because I know how much pleasure I get of escaping into a novel and the thought that mine could could do that for someone else is really lovely Um, so I think that's just what we've all got to kind of hang on to that books are still a form of escapism.
1: And what I liked about the book as well is that you helped me to escape because the different characters were very clear and relatable well understandable whereas some other books I get confused about which character is which and who is who and and therefore it's harder to follow whereas I don't know how you did it but you just made it easier for the reader to engage.
2: Oh well I'm really glad to hear that because actually in my first draft it was a bit different so the story follows four women in in their early 30s Um, and in my first draft they were all written in the first person so it was still divided up into the sections with their names but they were all in first person perspective Um, and then when I sent it into my agent and my editor they both asked whether I could change um, a couple of the girls to third person and keep Grace who I suppose if there has to be a main protagonist, she's probably it. Keep her in first person and change the others to third. And my editor also asked me to add more detail about how they looked because she said they do sound a bit similar and there isn't enough differentiating them. So I went back through in my edits and deliberately kind of tried to add these details that made them stand apart from each other. Um, So I'm glad that that worked because it was something I was worried about originally. But yeah, that's, I guess that's proof why you need a good editor to look at your work.
1: (laughs) how hard is it though having someone edit your work when that's that's what you do that's you know part of your of your core really is that quite yeah
2: exciting? um to be honest no i think i'm i'm really grateful for it because i think you know i edit other people's work but you have that distance and i think that no one can successfully edit their own work in that way like i think you need that third party perspective and you need someone to be able to look at it in a fresh way because by the time you've you know written your first draft and redrafted and read it hundreds of times you just can't really see the wood for the trees so i'm always really grateful to have an editor give me their thoughts um i yeah so it so it can it can sometimes I remember with a couple of my other books there have been points where I found the edits hard um, like any author but actually with The Wild Girls they weren't that extensive the biggest thing was the kind of perspective change um, which feels like a big thing and you kind of go through checking the pronouns and changing everything And um, but actually it wasn't it's not a big structural thing so it was relatively straightforward um, and then there were a few other bits as well um, and I think I've always been lucky to have editors well I've had two editors because my editor moved to a different publisher last year so I now have a different editor for this book and the next one um and they've always been quite collaborative and you know I've been able to say if I don't agree with something and keep it an open conversation and that's how I like to work with my authors as well I think it's never a good idea for an editor to dictate to an author what they should do because ultimately it's the author's book and they need to be happy but an editor's role is to you know explain their thinking and and make suggestions and usually those suggestions are really beneficial
1: well, let's talk about plotting, because, again, some authors, panthers, um, you know, p- possibly write the whole plot on the back of an envelope, and yet others, someone even writes 30,000 words in their plot. Where do you sit in, in, within these extremes?
2: Um, Definitely the first one, I think, if I had to choose. I am not a massive plotter. I usually start off with an idea or a setting. It is quite often a setting, actually, and maybe a character or two, and then I sort of take it from there. Um, The one I'm writing at the moment, I'm sort of about a third of the way in, and I... And I get a bit stuck because I've written all the stuff I want to. And then I think, actually, I don't really know what's going to happen next. So I had a big brainstorming night with my boyfriend the other evening, which was really helpful. And then we just kind of talked it through. And now I feel like I do have a clear plot, but it will probably change because I'm someone that likes to, you know, write and see where it takes me and then make changes. Um, I find it really difficult to just sit down and plot everything out from the beginning. I would love to be someone that can do that because I think it probably makes the actual writing experience um easier and probably more enjoyable because at the moment the kind of way that I write I write but I'm also constantly worrying like what am I going to write next you know what's the next thing going to be so I wouldn't necessarily recommend it but I think it's just the way that I work um I would say that your confidence grows so now I'm on book five and although I'm finding it quite difficult I've sort of got that voice in my head that says you will be able to do this because you've written four already do you know what I mean and so you kind of Think, okay, you know, you will get through it because you've kind of proven that you can finish a manuscript and finish more than one manuscript. And so you just need to do it again and you'll get there. And you have that recollection of going through the same process four times before and knowing that actually there have been points where I've struggled with plots and then it's all kind of worked out okay in the end. So it's just hanging on to that inner voice, I suppose. Um, but it's tough, definitely. I think plotting is a really difficult thing to do. Um, and some people are probably better at it than others.
1: Well, I mean, tied into the plot is also the pace, because you managed to deliver the pace really well. I certainly didn't want to put the book down. I was kept guessing. I wanted to to find out all that was going to be revealed. How do you manage that pace then if you if the plotting hasn't been there? And that's not a criticism. I'm just interested Mm. in how that happens.
2: Well I think it's something I've got better at to be honest like I think I hope that I've got better at pacing as I've gone on I kind of look back at my first book The Dollhouse and I think oh my god it was way too long um I just had so much extraneous stuff in that I would now cut but it's obviously it's way too late um but I think you know I want to be the kind of writer that does grow and develop and I think pacing is something that you have to practice um and I think my agent has helped me a lot with that I remember with The Dollhouse she went through it and kind of showed me where the was off and it was slow and and showed me kind of ways that I could speed it up um and then you know I do that for my authors at work and so I suppose I'm so used to kind of exercising that muscle now and I read a lot of commercial psychological suspense which is the genre in which I'm writing and so I I notice how other people do it um, as well and I do think that it's something that you learn and you develop um and it's also something that I go back and add in you know I might write a first draft and then like I know the draft of the this book that I'm writing now is really slow I think it's not I don't think the pacing is right at all but I'm gonna go back through and I'm gonna tighten it and probably strip bits out and work on the beginnings and the endings of chapters because I think those are really key for pacing um, in this kind of novel um and actually that's quite a fun process at uh, trying to up the pace it's quite a good exercise um but yeah it doesn't automatically come I think it's something you have to kind of develop as you go.
1: And the ending of the book, obviously not going to give anything away, but it it, it certainly delivered. Was that the ending that was in your mind? Um, well, not uh, very early <laughs> on, because of course, we've talked about how, how you plot and how you just sort of write, but mm. did, you, did you alter the ending or was it always set as a, a, a um, change, I suppose I'm saying?
2: I gosh you know this is really awful I actually can't remember now because my mind is so swampy after this year of pandemic um I think it there was there was small elements that changed I think it was basically always going to end like that but then I added like another little twist to it um and I went back and added in a kind of subplot um which was about Felicity's father um I think I can say that without it being a spoiler I added that kind of subplot in on advice from the editor again um to kind of make that more of a more of a thing um so yes some some bits of it were planned um the kind of main emphasis was the main fallout was was always how it was going to be but then I sort of added little extra bits I suppose yeah
1: and how is easy is it for you to move on to to your next book Do the characters of the previous books still haunt you and, and talk to you? Or are you able to just put that down and, and start the new story?
0: Um
2: I'm relatively able to put it down. I think again, because of my job, I'm so used to the process of working through a book from start to finish because, you know, I work with such a big list of authors. So it's not just my book that I see through, it's kind of all of theirs as well. So I'm very used to that process of starting you know looking at their edits and then sending it off to production and getting the cover and it and then it being a finished product on the shelves um so that process is really um normal to me so I think I I am quite pragmatic you know once it's finished it's it's finished um you know of course like I said before I look back at my other books and I think oh that bit wasn't very good or you know and you read your Amazon reviews and you think oh yeah they're probably right um all that stuff but ultimately I think once I've done it i Done it, um, and I usually have a bit of a gap. I usually, I have like a few months in the year where I'm not writing at all, um, or I might just be doing copy edits for the previous one, um, and then I start the next one. So there is usually like a degree of separation in the middle, um, but it is a bit weird, like as at the moment. Because the Wild Girls isn't out yet. It's out on April 29th. Um, and so there's like a month and a half to go. And so I'm doing, you know, events, obviously on Zoom, um, and uh, you know, doing blog pieces and extra PR bits around the Wild Girls. But in the evenings and the weekends, I'm writing book five, which is currently called The Trip, but I don't know if it'll stay that like that. Um, so it is a bit strange going from one to the other when you're promoting one, but actually your mind is already in the next one. Um yeah, that is a bit weird, I suppose,
0: yeah.
1: You have so much experience in the publishing world. Do, does anything still surprise you about what goes on in publishing?
2: <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it definitely does. Um, I mean, I've, I, I've seen some of the things that, you know, a few years ago, I'd have things that did surprise me. Like, I remember being at a dinner and someone saying, an author who, uh, you know, I thought they were a certain author and they had been writing under a pseudonym all this time, you know, and I was surprised by that. And Uh so there's definitely like still little things that come out of the closet like that and about the way publishing works. I think I've definitely seen behind the curtain of publishing. Um, It's not always particularly pretty, but, you know, it's an industry that I love. um, And I'm sure there will still be things that can surprise me. You know, I'm only still in quite an early stage of my career, so I'm sure that there will still be, that surprise me. I kind of hope so. You know, I don't. I definitely don't think I know everything about the industry. There's so much more to learn. Um, and you're already, you know, you're always surprised by what you get in on submission and what the new trends are going to be and what new authors you're going to find um, and new experiences. I mean, for example, I used to work only on paperback publishing, um, and then in the last year or so, I've been doing hardbacks. Um, so that's been like a really diff- different experience. Um, and I've just had probably the most successful book I've published so far which is Girl A by Abigail Dean which has just been in the top 10 for I think six weeks now which is like a milestone for me as an editor because I've never had that before so there's always like new challenges and new things and of course like this year has been a whole massive challenge because we've all had to pivot to working remotely um, and that's not something we've done before and it's interesting seeing how we as a publisher, pivot and you know change our strategy around these books when we're publishing them into a world of lockdown um so de- definitely there's always more to learn
1: and I guess it'll be interesting to see when we go back to normal how much changes you, you know it, whether everyone just simply pivots back to how things used to be done with book launches and it all being face to face or whether there is um, an element of combining the online as well as the face to face
2: yeah I think it probably will be the latter because there are so many people who want to go back to face-to-face including me but then also this year has opened up these opportunities for people that maybe couldn't make it to festivals before for whatever reason and actually they love being able to you know visit it from the comfort of their living room so I think it will end up being a sort of hybrid um, but I do think I really hope that real life events come back because I think they're not the same online I don't I think there's definitely benefits but I don't think it's a substitute forever um but that's just my opinion
1: it'll be interesting to see so final question what helps you to write on a tough day so you're having one of those days where the words aren't flowing and you still you're looking at the clock and thinking, I still got to write another thousand words is it uh, some chocolate um cup of coffee light a candle what what helps you
2: Probably all of the above I pretty much always have a candle lit so I have a candle lit now I'm I get through candles like ridiculously quickly so I'm always asking for them for like Christmas or birthday presents because I just get through so many so I burn them like all day um uh and I like having yeah so I like having those on um I think to be honest it's often like just the fact that I have a deadline and I think I don't want to let anyone down and I don't want to I just don't want to miss a deadline I'm always really kind of obsessive about getting things in on time and so I just focus on that and the fact that I've kind of signed a contract and I've committed to someone else and the reality is like if I emailed my editor and said I'm really sorry it's going to be late like I'm sure she would be fine with it um and she would give me more time but it's more like I just don't want to do that so Mm. I'm going to try as hard as I can to meet this deadline um but yeah I think just keeping that motivation in mind visualizing you know how good it will feel to have finished it or to have handed it in um and sometimes I think if I'm having a really difficult time I might jump to a different bit of the manuscript or I might write a different character for a while or I might go and write a different scene rather than forcing myself to do it in a linear way because I think sometimes you just get stuck in the story and actually if you just okay pause that part and write a scene that's going to happen in chapter five or something. Write a scene that you do feel comfortable with. Um, and then it doesn't matter, you know, you can add it all together at the end. I don't believe mm. that you have to write in chronological order. Um, so that's probably what I do. Um, and I definitely eat lots of chocolate. I've got really into toblerones recently. Um, oh. So I've been eating those big like family sized bars yeah. of Toblerones. <laughs> have you tried um, the
1: white Toblerones? They were a revelation I
2: haven't. I haven't, no. I always have the dark ones. Um, but maybe I'll look into that um uh, when going, else, going gets uh, tough. <laughs>
1: There you go. Well Phoebe we mustn't take any more of your time because you're in the middle of writing the trip and if it's anything like The Wild Girls it's going to be brilliant so thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you so much for having me on it's lovely to chat to you thank you. Well that
1: was interesting wasn't it thank you so much Phoebe for for coming on and talking about the book The Wild Girls that was great. Um, So from one great book to another great book. Oh what a link how clever I am. And without any caffeine, who knew? Uh, So Her Last Holiday by C.L. Taylor is um, her her latest one. Again, I believe it's coming out this week uh, and, and it's great. This is the blurb. It was supposed to be the perfect escape on a Mediterranean island. Desperate strangers gather a wellness retreat that promises to change their lives. A guru who vows to heal them. But as day turns to night and the truth comes to light. Could this holiday be their last? Ah, um, uh, Yeah, well, let's do the first sentence again, because this is interesting. This is a short one. Fran's rage had reached boiling point. Uh, I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? That's the full stop. Uh, I was immediately brought in. I was interested in who Fran was, why she, she was so angry, what was going on great. Um, so I don't know, I might have to continue this this first sentence thing. We'll we'll apply it to all the books this week and, and see what we think. And do let me know as well, because I'd love to get all your messages about this. But yeah, it's. Um, I thought this was a really good book. I thought it was one of her best, if not her best. Um, it brought me in. I. It was another one where you sort of keep guessing. I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but it, you know from Pretty soon, what's what's going on? That there's this character Fram, um, whose sister has died, um, committed suicide, and she wants to go and find out what happened. And the added twist is that her sister committed suicide while on this sort of wellness retreat abroad. So you've got all these elements. You know that something wrong has happened. You don't know what's going on. Um, and a very, very good character. Uh, to be presented with. She's just this sort of strong female, but with her own quirks and her own backstory. And I I just enjoyed it. I don't want to give too much away. I think I've said enough. I just get it. Like the Wild Girls, get it. Two very different books, um, but both really good sort of page-turner thrillers. Yeah, Th- thumbs up from me. So the next book is called The Bone Code by Cathy Rikes. Now, let's, let's read the first sentence of, of this one. This is a short one. The kid was dead. Uh, and I think actually that sentence just summarises the, the book. It's very precise. It's very to the point. It's great. I haven't read, to my shame, any of Kathy Wright's books before. Um, and this one, The Bone Code, I thought was great. It's clearly part of a series, the Temperance Brennan uh, series. But that didn't stop me enjoying it. I was intrigued. And what I would really like to do now is go back to to her first books and read the whole series. Um, I imagine they're a bit like the Patricia Cornell books of old, that that it's a great series to to build up with. Um, So the the blurb is simple. It's this. Two bound decomposing bodies, a mysterious outbreak of flesh-eating bacteria, and an unsolved cold case that could unlock the truth that has haunted Tempe for years. Crack the case, the bone code. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. It's, um, as I say, it's very to the point. And I think you would get even more out of it if you have read the whole series. But if you're looking for a new book, which a new series, which has something a bit different, some gutsy characters in that we do like, um, and sort of to the point writing, as as I say, I think that first sentence is I don't, I don't like what it's saying. The kid was dead. Obviously, we don't want any child to be dead. But the fact that... Oh gosh, did you just hear my stomach rumbling? Sorry about that. Um, it's, it's all happening here. But yeah, good book, good book, and one worth considering. Now, the next book. Oh, this is this is difficult. So I call it the Kiss Quotient. It's spelled Q U O T I E N T by Helen Huang. Um, but anybody who's talked about this book, who's American is saying The Kiss Quotient. So I don't know. I'm saying The Kiss Quotient. uh, And I'm going to stick with this. I didn't choose this book. This was one that was part of a book group that that I'm in from uh, Lauren and the Books, her Patreon group. And this was chosen. I don't even think I voted for this book, but it was chosen. And it's great to read different books that we wouldn't pick up. Now, uh, okay, let's start by saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't like this book. I didn't like this book at all. But... Clearly, a lot of people love this book because when you look at the reviews, say, on Amazon, the the reviews are really high. There's a lot of five stars that have been given thousands and thousands. I think the average is somewhere in the high fours four out of five. And that's the mark of a good book and a lot of loyal followers. It's not as if she's just had two friends go on and give her five stars and... That's up the rating. Thousands of people have loved this book and love this author and love her other books. So don't don't take what I say to apply to you. It might be something that works, but it just didn't. I picked up the book thinking, oh, this is going to be a light, nice, easy read and straight away, or pretty soon on, I just thought, this isn't for me. I like the fact that it's got, um, that the main character is autistic, she uh, has Asperger's, um, and I thought that it was very interesting and down to earth about that, um, and so quite fresh writing for that, so that was, that was fine. I thought that they didn't explore it enough, um, and I thought there was a lot more that could have been said, but th- that was good, but well, let's shall I read you the blurb first or the first sentence I'm going to do blurb first are you ready sorry that's not part of the blurb that's me just saying are are you ready it's like story time are you sitting comfortably It's high time for Stella Lane to settle down and find a husband, or so her mother tells her. This is no easy task for a wealthy, successful woman like Stella, who also happens to have Asperger's. Analyzing data is easy. Handling the awkwardness of one-on-one dates is hard. To overcome her lack of dating experience, Stella decides to hire a male escort to teach her how to be a good girlfriend. Faced with mounting bills, Michael decides to use his good looks and charm to make extra cash on the side. He has a very firm, no repeat customer policy, but he's tempted to bend the rule when Stella approaches him with an unconventional proposal. The more time they spend together, the harder Michael falls for this disarming woman with a beautiful mind and Stella discovers that love defies logic. Well, if I read that blurb, it actually sounds fine. So I, it was the book that I didn't like. I thought it was, well, I just it just made me very uncomfortable. I'm whole, I've am i got my hand to my mouth, covering my mouth as I'm saying this. And I think that shows ha- how I felt about this. This is the first sentence. It's a longer one. OK. Oh, no, actually, it's a shorter one. But I'll, I'll read you the first two sentences. Hey, there we go. I know you hate surprises, Stella. In the interest of communicating our expectations and providing you a reasonable timeline, you should know that we're ready for grandchildren. So again, that felt a bit Bridget Jonesy to me, and I thought, oh yes, this is going to there's going to be some humour. There's going to be parents have their expectations, and Stella has her own life to lead, and she's this sort of strong, um, independent woman. But it, it didn't really feel like that as I went on. It there's a lot of there's a lot of smut in it. It's not one to be having on an audio book when you've got children in the car. That's for sure. And it just oh, just didn't it didn't like it at all. But as I say, I'm. That that is my problem. Not the it's not a badly written book. And clearly from the reviews, people love this. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm grimacing uh, and I'm just going to put that book down. And um, yes, not not trouble myself about it. But if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in reading, have a read of it. Let me know. Um, we've already had the book group talk about it. And I think the average score was something along three, 3.2 out of five. So there were a lot of us that felt the same as as I did. Some people really loved it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why why it is that there's this division, but it, it is clearly is a good book. It's just just wasn't for us. Um, So let's get on to the final book, which is Missing Pieces by Tim Weaver. And this is an interesting one. Um, Here's the here's the blurb on this one. Imagine you don't know your darkest secret, but someone else does, and now they want you dead. Rebecca Murphy knows too much. She knows that visiting abandoned Crow Island was a mistake. She knows something bad has happened to her brother, and that if she's not careful, she'll be next. What she doesn't know is why her family haven't reported her missing, or why any of this is happening. Perhaps the answers lie back on the mainland in her everyday life, in her past. But will getting home be the end of her nightmare, or the beginning? Um, it's a chunky book. This one is 500, 500 pages long. It's a standalone as well, which is different because Tim Weaver's been uh, writing this, the series previously. Uh, oh, let me read you the first sentence. This is another short one. She stumbled along the aisle. Again, that that's an interesting one because uh, clearly you're faced with the the, the uh, first character. Something's up. Why is she stumbling? why she's going down an aisle. Is she just going down her doing her shopping and uh, she's missed her footing? No, let's say that. It's five hundred pages and for me it's it's sort of two halves. The first half of the book, I didn't have a clue what was going on. But all I knew was I can trust the author Tim Weaver. He delivers good books. Um and for him try to write a stand alone it must have been something that was sort of burning within him to write. Um, to, to make him step away from the popular series. So I had to trust, but I felt completely in the dark. I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know why. And yes, it is all revealed in the second half. So that might be something that really works for you. Um, and I think it's about giving a book and giving the author time to convince you and draw you in. If you're someone where the first page has to be right, this is the book. This is what I'm reading. I'm really committed to it. I'm really into it. I know exactly what's going on. Then this book might not be for you. But if you like something that makes you guess, makes you work hard and it does deliver and it does reveal, it's a good book. um, then, Then I think this one could be could be for you. So that's Missing Pieces by Tim Weaver. We've covered a lot. We've talked to Phoebe Morgan about her book, The Wild Girls. We've talked about Her Last Holiday by C.L. Taylor. Uh, We've talked about The Bone Code by Kathy Rikes, The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang and Missing Pieces by Tim Weaver. Um, Thank you for coping with me today. And I'm going to go and eat now and drink some coffee and see what the rest of the day has to throw at me. But look, take care. Look after yourselves. We've got a great author next week to talk to you about and some other great books. And who knows, maybe we'll keep this first sentence thing going. We'll see. But look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon.